All right, so we are uh, in Romans chapter 4, and we got down through verse 16, which is where I'm going to start. I know your note says 17, but actually we're going to start in verse 16. Um, so there at the top of your page, I put the notes together so that you can uh, follow along if you don't have your own Bible. Most of the verses I use are from the ESV. So uh, it reads close enough to King James, New King James, uh, some of the other translations. But Romans chapter 4, 16, this is kind of my, my hallmark verse for uh, tonight. That's not 416, sorry. That's 420. My computer just continues to make mistakes. I just don't get it. But... Uh, Supposed to know what I wanted. All right, so that's verse 20. And it says, No unbelief made him, that is Abraham, waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Which, you know, that's it's almost like... If God promised, don't you think he's able? But how many people, they read the promise of God, but they don't think God is able to do what he said he could do? And Abraham wrestled with that. He said, well, no, wait a minute. says he didn't. Well, we're going to talk about that. There was some questioning. But the questioning came in one realm of his life, whereas his faith was established in another realm. And so we'll talk about that as we come to that. Let's read uh, Romans chapter 4. If you've got your Bible there, verse 16. We're going to start in verse 16 and read down through 25 because this is the section we'll be looking at tonight. So, verse 16, Romans chapter 4 says, That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, or those who live by the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. This he said in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Verse 18. In hope, he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. That's from Genesis. Verse 19. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, 
but for ours also. And it will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Those last two verses we will deal with uh, in the beginning of our session next week. So, in this passage, we have a, a perfect picture as God has presented it of believing against the circumstances in the promise of God's grace. Grace, again, is God's power made available to us in any weakness that we may have. So, God's power to overcome our weakness. If that main weakness in our life is what? <laughs> a eternal life. Uh, we're dead. We need to be made alive. Grace makes that available to us. But we have to believe. And everything God provides by his grace, whether it's salvation or healing or provision or peace or wisdom, any of the things that God provides by grace, we obtain through faith. We don't work to get it. We don't have to do this, do that, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing in order to get something. We believe like Abraham believed. But he did run into circumstances, and he did grow in faith. As it says, he became stronger, meaning he was strong, and then he became stronger and became stronger. And so there was a increasing in his strength as he was believing the promise. But he had plenty of things to come against him. He had discouragement. Yeah, there's plenty of discouragement when you've been believing for, you know, 70 some years <laughs> to have a child. And you didn't. And then God made him a promise. And it's like, okay, great. So that, that's going to happen, what, about nine months from now? Uh, no. Okay, maybe a couple years. No. Uh, five years? No. 10, 15, 20, 25 years. 25 years to receive that thing that God had promised. But it wasn't because Abraham was doing anything wrong. It was God's timing. And God had a timing for the birth of Isaac. There was a timing. It wasn't that if Abraham had done something, it could have come happen happened earlier there's nothing in there that says there was any correction to abraham the only corrections god gave him which is something we'll deal with as we go down through here are when he get he would get pulled off into his natural ability to produce a child i can't so what about this i can't so what about this i can't so what about this he even asked god to let him have a child or name even his servant to be his child. He asked God, and God said, no, that's not what I said. You're going to have a child. Yeah, that's what you said. And he would come back to the promise. And 
when we relate that to circumstances in our life, when we start looking at natural things, that faith that we've been believing in the grace that God has offered, the promise that he made, we start looking at the natural things. It's not that our faith wavers. It's that our faith is directed in the wrong thing. Peter, walking on water. And it says, when he saw the wind and the waves. Okay, wait a minute. You're walking on water. But now you suddenly notice the wind and the waves. And so now you can't walk on water anymore. It was a distraction. Abraham was faced with distractions. He was faced with delays. (laughs) 25 years. And disappointments. He thought it would be this. He thought it would be that. It didn't happen. So when we look at this passage, there's perfect examples here for every area in our life where we are believing the promise of God, trusting in His grace to bring it about through our faith. And God has given us this wonderful gift of by grace through faith you can apply it to anything it is that you are asking god or seeking or believing for it's again his grace and your faith so when we look at this passage that last statement and again we'll see this the key in all of this was that he was fully convinced fully convinced that god was able to do what he promised. So the first thing is God is able to do what he promised. So let's take that backwards. You got to know the promise. If you don't have the promise, then you don't have anything to believe that God is able to do. And then comes your faith in the God who will do what he promised. And so when we are believing, do you, do you know the promise that God made? Did you just make something up? You know, that, you know, that God would uh, make you king of the world? Uh, well, no. And by the way, if he did, you'd hate it? Because that would be a horrible, horrible responsibility. So, anyway... We, we have the promise, so we find the promises of God, and then we believe. Because his promise contains his grace. If he said he would do it, then it's going to be him doing it, not you. All you need to do is believe. Now, I say all you need to do. How many have had struggle in faith? <laughs> so, yeah, so all you have to do is believe. It's easier said than it is performed. But, so let's look at this. Go back to verse 16, kind of the middle of your page. And we covered this verse last week, so I'm not going to spend much time talking about that. That is why it says it depends on faith. Because God said, believe and you will receive. Not based on your works, not based on what you have to do, but based on his promise. 
That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace, not on circumcision, not on works, not on things that you can do, that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Because not all the people can work. Not all the people can do the job that you do. Not all the people can perform the things that you can perform. Pastor Jeff Hivas' daughter um, ran in their state track meet this last week, and she accomplished an incredible thing. She broke all the records that she'd had before. Her team broke records, and their 4 by 100 came in uh, first place. So, yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. But you know what? Not everybody can do that. And if they said, well, you have to run this certain race or you have to perform this certain way, not, not all of us can do that. Some can. And some through exercise and work and training could, could maybe get there. Others would never get there. That's why there's first, second, and third places, etc. Because not everybody can be first place. But if you have to be first place in order to get the prize, not everybody's going to get it. So, God made it not a matter of your performance, but of his grace. So that all you had to do was what? Believe. So, it's, it's so that the promise would be available, guaranteed, to all the offspring. And I love that word guaranteed, or the basic Greek word means made sure or made steadfast. That it's, it's going to happen. If you believe. And so this was the promise that they would believe. Not only to those who adhere to the law, those who are of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And so then my my bullet points there, thus justification is by faith alone. Not faith and works. Not faith and I do this. Faith alone. That doesn't mean that there's not things that we shouldn't do. Yeah, there's things we shouldn't do. There's things we should do. But it's faith alone that is going to bring forth the promise. Faith alone. That that says it's God. If it's faith and you, then God is not the sure source of what you're going to get. Because anytime it's you, then you've got something to boast about. And you can make your boasting in yourself. And it does not glorify God. And it was sure uh, to all who follow in the steps of Abraham. And what are the steps of Abraham? He believed God. He was made righteous. He believed. He was made. He believed. Can I say he received? And so this would be the promise that is there as Paul's going to bring that out as he continues. And that all of this is made sure or guaranteed of that same justification. Verse 17, as it is written, God made this promise. Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, but all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, he said, I'm going to make you the father of a multitude. I will make you a father of a multitude. You will have a multitude coming from you. And so 
in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. But here in 17.5, God said specifically, I have made you the father of many nations. That's a hard thing because God said, I have made you. But he wasn't. And he wasn't the next year or the next <laughs> or for 25 years. It's like, what? But you said, and I have. It's just that the fulfillment has not been here. So it's down the line. But I have made it. This Abraham did. What did he do? He believed. And he did it in the presence of the God in whom he believed. He did it as standing right before God. If you were standing before God, and he asked you to trust him, would you? I think we all would. Well, he is. He's right here. His word is alive. God is everywhere present. He's right here. And he's asking you, trust me. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Say, well, yeah. Can you hear that, that little bit of a whine there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you ready to run your 400 meter? Mm, yeah. Not really. No. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's all kinds of things that we do. But Abraham saw himself in the presence of God. Now, we got to understand, Abraham didn't have a Bible he's reading. God's talking to him. He's right there. And so when the Bible says God said these things, it's like God was right there. Now, not in a physical form before him, but God was there. <clears throat> and so Abraham heard these promises and he saw this reality that he was in the presence of God, so much so that he fell down and worshipped a number of occasions. So down toward the bottom of your first page, he believed in the one who gives life to the dead. Gives life to the dead. The word gives life means literally in the Greek language means to make suddenly alive. To make suddenly alive. From that which was dead. To make alive from that which is dead. So, Abraham wasn't going to be, quote, figuratively made alive. In his ability to procreate, and I just be blunt, that's what it was about. Him being able to have a child, which he couldn't. He was going to be made alive in his ability to procreate. It was going to happen. And it wasn't going to be a figurative thing. It's like, yeah, and I'm going to create your child, but nothing's really going to change in you. No, it was going to change in Abraham and Sarah so that they could have this child. God was going to do it. He was going to give life to that which is dead. You say, well, Abraham wasn't. Dead. Well, he was dead in the sense of being able to have a child. That wasn't happening. And so the scripture does tell us that, and it uses that phrase. It's not God creating a substitute or replacement. 
which Abraham and Sarah tried. The replacement thing. Now, I don't know, guys, but I just know that that just was not a good idea. It's like, yeah, we're going to have a child. We're gonna, I'm going to bring this young maid in. And it's like, well, it was Sarah's idea. <laughs> yeah, you can try to blame that on her all you want, but you participated and you tried to bring forth something by a replacement. And it wasn't about that. It was about God doing this in you, Abraham and Sarah. And so God was going to give life. And we'll talk a little bit more about that toward the end. That God would make this alive. This was something that was going to happen because God made the promise. It had to be because God made the promise. He said, you're going to have a child. And if God said that, then he's going to have to make it come to pass. But Abraham had to do what? Believe. All Abraham had to do was believe. And he believed the one who gives life to the dead, and what else? And calls into existence things that do not exist. Now, again, the literal translation of this really says that he was he called what was not being to be. So it's there in green and highlighted in yellow. He called what was not being to be. That's what God does. Things that are not being. Now I know, you know, that God didn't just totally recreate your body when you got born again. But he did create your spirit, man. Because you are a new creation in Christ. And the word new is Greek comes from the Greek word for Genesis. The beginning of something new. The beginning of something that has not been. And so this was something that was going to happen. It was, as one translation says, a new species of being. Abraham became something that he was not. When you believed God, you became something that you were not. I know our physical bodies didn't change. They will. They will. But your spirit man, which was dead, is suddenly created in God's image and likeness. And so this was God calling what was not or not being to be. Kind of sounds like the original creation in Genesis, doesn't it? God spoke and it was. God said be and it was. So, these are the promises. And what was he calling into existence, calling to be? For Abraham, he was calling the seed, which, first of all, is Isaac. Okay, so the first seed, although the word seed is singular, the seed that Abraham first thought about would be a son. But God extended that. That through you, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So you're going to be the father of a multitude. Not just a single seed, Isaac, 
but also a greater seed, the Messiah, through whom all the nations would be blessed. And we question, how did that happen? Well, next week I'm going to talk more about that out of the book of Galatians. What did Abraham know? And sometimes people say, you know, well, what what do you understand about God? Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. What did he see? We'll talk about that next week. Got to come. All right. Um, The seed, Isaac, the Messiah, believers. So Abraham saw us. He saw us. A whole long line of people who believed and were made righteous. A nation of people. Isn't that glorious? He saw us. Why? Because God showed it to him. Top of your next page. So, in verses 18 through 22, I put a little subtitle there. It's okay to look at the facts. Just don't judge the promise. Nothing wrong with looking at the facts. And the facts are facts. And they just are. They are. But don't judge the promise based on the facts. Because the promise can change the facts. But if you get wrapped up in the facts, you may not believe the promise. So these two things go hand in hand. Verse 18. In hope, he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations. As had been told, so shall your offspring be. So there was going to be a multitude. There's going to be offspring. He would be the father of many nations, because God said he would. But in order to be the father of many, you got to first of all be the father of one. And so all of this comes down to how was Abraham going to receive this promise, this beginning of this generation of a great number of people through the one that God had promised. The true seed wasn't Isaac. The true seed was the Messiah. That's the seed that was going to change the world. Isaac was just a way to get to the Messiah because the Messiah would come through Isaac, through Abraham. So he had this hope. In hope, he believed against hope. And there's different ways that that phrase can be broken up. In hope, he believed against hope. But really, when you look for the Greek language, it's more broken up the way I have it here. In hope, he believed against hope. So there's two hopes here that are spoken of. There is a natural hope. Sarah and I are going to have a child. Sarah and I are going to have a child. We're going to be able to have a child. We're going to try. And they tried. Years. They believed. Nothing was happening. No child. Abraham and Sarah, no child. No matter what, no child. So, natural hope is pretty much dead. 
And so there was a new hope that arrived in Abraham's life. It was a hope in a promise that God made. Instead of his hope being in his ability and Sarah's ability to produce a child, his hope now was in something else. In, as some translations or commentaries put in here, in supernatural hope, he believed against natural hope. So there is a supernatural hope that is based upon a promise that God has made. If God has said, it will be. God promised that you would have eternal life. You believed. Do you have it? Do you have it? Can you touch it? Can you show me it? No. Can you display it? No. But you believe. Because God has given you a supernatural hope. Did you watch Jesus raise from the dead? Did you see him walk around the city? Did you see him ascend? No. But you have what? Hope. Listen. Faith is empty if there is no hope. Because hope is where your faith is taking you. Hope is based upon a promise. Something that you don't have that God has said you could have. I think of it like a destination. So hope becomes a destination. Faith is the vehicle by which I get there. And so faith has to have a destination. What are you, what are you believing? I'm, I don't know, I'm just believing. No, You've got to be believing something. I don't know, I just believe. Believe for what? Well, for anything. No, you can't believe for anything. You've got to believe for something. Your faith has got to have a destination. And so hope is absolutely essential to the Christian life. But it has to be a hope that is based upon a promise that God made. Otherwise, it's a promise that is man-made and it can fail. So you put your money in a bank in the hope that it would gain interest and then the bank folded and you got nothing because your hope was placed in something that is of this world which fails which cannot be trusted which cannot be secure but God's promise is secure and so for years Abraham and Sarah's hope was directed at a natural hope but natural hopes fail natural hopes aren't able to fulfill. They're almost like a wish. But please, don't ever confuse hope and wish. It's not the same thing. But when God gives you a promise, that becomes your hope. The promise becomes your hope. The promise becomes the destination. That's where you're going. God told the children of Israel, I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to take you to a land that is overwhelming with provision. I'm going to take you to a land and you're going to be settled and you're going to become a great nation. God painted a picture for them so that they had a destination in mind. 
And so their faith could be established in that. So what did Abraham do? Against a natural hope. He believed in the promise that God had made in hope. He believed against hope. What? That he should become the father of many nations. All right. We've heard this said. It keeps saying it over and over. How many times do I have to hear it? Until you get it. So shall your offspring. All right, you've said that already. But that's the promise God made. Put yourself back in Abraham's place. God said, you're going to have a multitude of offspring. You're going to have nations coming out of you. There will be a seed, but that seed will produce great generations. And out of the seed that you have here will come the seed which is the Messiah by which all the nations will be blessed. Through you all the nations will be blessed. Like wow. Somebody said Abraham where would you get that hope from? God. Oh really? Yeah. God told me. Okay right. You've been talking to God. Yeah I've been talking to God. There are some authors today who do not believe that we hear from God. That God speaks to us. That God converses with us. How many believe God converses with us? Yeah. So, I'm sorry, sir. I won't name him. I'm sorry, sir. But it's too late. God's already talked to me. Right. So, you can't tell me he doesn't talk to me. Abraham had a promise made from God, and that was where his hope was. Not something that he thought up, not some dream that he had, not something that he and Sarah sat down and calculated together. Oh, that sounds like a story from the Bible, doesn't it? Yeah. We'll have a child this way. No, that's, that's not it. It's the child I'm going to give you, not the child you're going to produce. So, his natural hope was superseded, <laughs> overwhelmed by a supernatural hope. His inability to make it happen was changed by God's promise that it would. I can't make this right. That's why I made you the promise. Yeah, but I, God, I can't do it. You're not going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, but how am I going to make this come to pass? You're not. I'm going to make it come to pass. You'll be the father of many nations. Yeah, but I don't have a child. You're going to be the father of many nations. Yeah, but how are we going to be able to do this? You're going to be the father of many nations. Yeah, but I'm this old. Yeah, but you're going to be the father of many nations. But Sarah's, <laughs> you're going to be the father of many nations. So shall your offspring be. God said it over and over and over and over. And every time Abraham got redirected to his natural ability or inability, God would show up, restate the promise, and he would again choose the promise that God had made. So, against hope he believed on that third bullet point down, top of your page two. He believed on. 
In the Greek language, it literally is the verse, verb, or the preposition on, not in. Now, before we've talked about Abraham believed God, and he was counted righteous, right? We be- he believed. Not he believed in God, because a lot of people believe in God, but they've not been made righteous. Because they have not believed upon the promise that God made that through Jesus Christ they could be saved. Yeah, I believe in God. There's a lot of deists in our nation today, and that is kind of the growing, the growing, quote, theology doctrine that has invaded the uh, professing Christian church. It's almost a deist thing. Anyway, I believe in God, but he doesn't really involve himself with us. You know, he's, he lets us live our own life. And um, I read today about a new Bible that's going to be coming out. Seriously, this is, this is an actual truth. This is not an April Fool's thing. A new Bible that is being published, and it's called the Vegan Bible. The Vegan Bible, yes. It's uh, by the people for the ethical treatment of animals. And they have reframed the Bible. They've started just with Genesis. But they've got a few passages from the Gospels that they have worked out. The story with Isaac and the lamb, because there's no animals die. Because you can't, you can't be a vegan Bible and have animals die, so they they, they, they can't do that. So when Isaac dies, it really he doesn't really die. God shows him this lamb, and then the lamb introduces him to a puppy. Seriously, I'm telling you the truth. And the puppy's even got a name, but I don't remember it. And this puppy is with him as his comfort that God promised him. I'm seriously, this, this was, I, I, I thought, I got to stop reading this, but then I couldn't. You know, it was like that falling down the stairs thing. I'm sorry, I want to stop reading this, but I can't. I got to keep reading. So, yeah, it is like the stupidest thing you would ever, but there are people that believe that. They may say they believe in God, but they don't believe God. All right, but let's go back to this verse. Here it says he believed on. Not just even in. It's more that he believed God. It's not that he believed in God. It's he believed on. He believed on the promise that God made. That he should become the father of many. And he believed upon this promise. And the word on or upon, E-P-I, epi, in the Greek preposition, epi, means to to have something placed upon so as that the, the thing that you place it upon becomes a foundation to let it rest upon he let his faith rest upon the promise he just laid it on the promise it wasn't his faith holding anything up it was the promise his faith was upon the promise he let himself rest we talk about resting upon the promise. That's exactly what he did. He rested upon the promise. Even as Peter walked upon the water, he really walked upon the words that Jesus said, come. And so that was, that's all he had. 
All he had was what Jesus said, and he got out of the boat and he did it. And so this idea that he didn't he didn't have to uphold his end, he didn't have to uphold his faith, he placed his faith upon the promise. People say, well, how are you going to make this happen? I'm not. The promise is going to. And that my faith rests upon the promise. Yeah, but you're going to have to have you and Sarah. And I know. But the promise, and my faith is resting upon the promise. Well, you've had all these years, you've tried and this. No, my faith is resting upon the promise. You know, we get challenged all the time with things that we are believing for. And there's circumstances in every one of our lives, situations that are going on right now that we're facing. And we're not, it, it's not you trying to uphold your faith. You can't uphold your faith. Let your faith rest upon the promise. Because the promise has the grace. The promise has the power. Why? Because it's God's word. His promise is his word. And his word has the power of fulfillment. And so we let our faith rest upon the promise. I don't know if I have the faith to do that. You don't have to. All you have to do is believe the promise. Yeah, but I don't have the faith to move a mountain. You don't have to. Believe the promise. Speak, and it will move. Is that what it says? So speak. Yeah, but I don't know if I can make it. You don't have to make it happen. Let your faith rest upon the promise. And he did this. Middle, almost the middle of your page, so that he might become. Two different little Greek words, aisto, and it means so that, it's, it's a purpose phrase, which means that what was going to happen would not happen if he did not believe. He let his faith rest upon the promise so that he might become. Without his faith resting upon the promise, he would not become. God didn't say, I'm going to do this. You don't have to believe me. God didn't say that. Believe me. It took his faith. There's people that say, well, if God wants me saved, he'll save me. If God wants me healed, he'll heal me. If God wants me to live in peace, he'll give me peace. If God wants to change that situation in my life, he'll change. No, he asked you to believe. Believing is the part that we do. You do, you do that part so that you might become saved, so that you might become healed, so that you might become at peace, so that you might become provided for, so that you might become, so that you believe the promise so that. Because without your faith being resting upon the promise, you'll never reach that goal. And so many people back up. Well, if God wanted this in my life, he'd have done it. No, he asked you to believe. And time again, Jesus called people to believe. And what was it he was going to be? There it is again, middle of the page, the father of many nations. In agreement with the words that God had spoke. God said you would be. Let me ask you one simple question. God said he would be, right? Was he? Yeah. Did it happen? Yeah, it happened. Yeah, but it took 25 years. Who cares? I don't care how, how long it happened. 
He believed it happened. Yeah, but what if it didn't happen? He believed and what? It did. Sometimes we get so much into hypothetical situations, hypothetical arguments. Drop it. There's all kinds of, what about this and what about that? It's not what about that. It's what did happen. He believed and he was. He is. And his offspring is continuing. They're still growing. Still people coming about, coming to the Messiah, finding life through the Messiah. That's what God promised. Now verse 19. He did not weaken in faith. When he considered, now I know this is different than the way your old King James writes it, but what it says is he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. He did not weaken in faith when he considered. Now, the King James, I know, starts out with the phrase, he considered not and therefore, but he did consider. All you have to do is read the, <laughs> read the book of Genesis. Did he consider? Uh, yeah. So we got this young maid. Why don't we have a child through her? Uh, I've, got a, I've got a servant named Elimelech. Let's, let's make him. Um, now I got Ishmael. Let's make him. It's like God kept saying, no, this is not, this is not the way. I'm going to produce this. Did he question? Yeah. Did Sarah laugh? Oh, yeah. Because, because she believed God? <laughs> she, she didn't laugh because she believed God. She laughed because she didn't see how this was going to happen. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm a hundred years old. Really? You seriously? You know, you, you know what you're talking about, God? Do you know anything about the human body? Do you have you, you know, you, you know what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay, we're gonna have a child. Woo! And then when God confronted him, Abraham said, "She didn't laugh." And God said, "Yeah, you did. Yeah, I heard it." <laughs> so God knew. And but did you know? That just a chapter before, Abraham laughed. So yeah, they both they both had their little experiences, and but listen, what was he what was he laughing about? The natural ability to make this happen. He would constantly get pulled back over. How many of you believing God for something in your life get pulled back over sometimes, distracted, disappointed? into believing in the natural thing. Pretty soon you're looking at it, but I can't see how this... That's not the point. It's not the point about I can't see how this could happen. It's if God promised, it will. But I know people that... Don't give me the I know people thing. We have God's testimony. Abraham believed and it happened. And that's the faith that we are called to follow after, emulate, to produce in our life. Now, here's what it says. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, and he did, 
or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, and he did, and so did she. So as we break this down, the word not growing weak in faith, he did not weaken or not growing weak in faith, not weakening. What he considered, listen, here get this, when he considered his own body, what he considered could not change the promise. So you looking at the circumstances can't change the promise. Because God made the promise. And you can't change the promise. And God who does not lie, if he made you the promise, then it will. And so, not growing weak in faith or not weakening, he could look at the natural thing and yet not weaken in faith. I can't do this. But God promised me. I don't see how this is going to happen. But God promised me. God promised. Not growing weak in faith when he considered his body as dead. Literally in the language it means as if it were slain. Where dead means something that's been killed. (laughs) My ability to produce a child has been killed. Or the deadness of Sarah's womb. And the word considered, the Greek word katanoeo means to contemplate or evaluate something. For to consider it for evaluation. I'm I'm looking at it, I'm evaluating, I don't see how this could be. I've I calculated all this up, I don't see how it's gonna happen. It did not change what it could be. In fact, what happened? His faith didn't weaken it, what? Became stronger. Why? Because God kept redirecting him to the promise. No, I can't I can't produce this, but God promised. God promised. And so he did consider, but he did not weaken. And these these verbs together, they bring up this this whole issue of You judge your ability as dead in works and God's ability as alive, that's grace. Your ability is dead, that's works, to produce salvation, to produce righteousness, to produce the promise of God. Your ability is dead, but God's ability is alive. And it will produce, and that is faith. So verse 20. So no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Now, I love this phrase. First of all, the word no unbelief, uh, the Greek word apistia, apistia means to not have faith, but really what it means is to have limited faith. I have faith to hear, but I don't have faith to there. Because all of us have faith for something. People say, well, I've got no faith. Yeah, you got faith for something. You're sitting on a chair. You have faith in something. You go out and put your key in the car. You got faith in something. You know, somebody writes a piece of paper to you and puts their name at the bottom and it says they're going to give this money to you. You got faith in something. So it's not, it's not that you have no faith. It's that your faith has a limit. I could believe for this. 
I can't believe for that. And that is what is called unbelief. I believe here, but I don't believe there. And so no unbelief made him waver. Abraham could look at the circumstances and say, I can't do this, but God promised to do that. The thing that I don't think I can do, he can do. He promised. And so the more I evaluate what I cannot do, the more my faith becomes stronger in what God will do. He made a promise. I can't save myself, but God can. I can't produce in my life the things that God asked me to do, but he can. I can't open the doors that God has placed before me, but God did. And so every one of us have these circumstances in our life where we consider, but we don't waver. I want you to look at that word waver kind of toward the bottom of your page. The word waver comes from the Greek word to doubt. Some of your translations say stagger or waver or doubt. The Greek word diakrino, diakrino, means to judge between two things. To judge between. Doubt is when you're judging between something. Well, God said, here's the natural thing, and so I'm doubting because I'm trying to to make a judgment between these two things. And what you're doing, as James says, is you are what? Wavering. You're staggering. You're caught between two things. You're trying to, well, yeah, I believe. No, I don't believe. Yeah, I believe. No, I don't believe. And so you're evaluating based upon what? What you can see with your eyes, what people have told you, your past experiences. You are making a judgment upon the promise that God made. And so what it says here is no amount of limitation made him judge against the promise. But God promised. God promised. And so nothing could make him judge against that promise. Nothing could make him change his opinion about the promise. Top of your last page. He did not waver in his ability to reach the goal. Why? Because he wasn't going to do it. God was. And so God made the promise. I'm not going to judge against. I can judge against my ability to do it. I can judge against somebody else's ability to make it happen in my life. But I'm not going to judge against the promise. Because God made a promise. And like I said before, (laughs) against the promise, in regard to the promise, he wasn't going to make a judgment. His questions, his reasoning, his wavering was based upon the natural things that he saw. When he would question, God would reassure. Every time Abraham came to a place where he was questioning or he's wavering because he's looking at the natural things, so he did waver in the natural realm, but God would show up and reassure him. God would give him something to build upon the promise. He would restate the promise. 
That's why it says so many times over and over, I'll make you the father of a multitude. I'll make the father of many nations. Out of you shall come all these things. God kept restating the promise, sometimes in different ways, sometimes exactly the same way. And he even gave him natural confirmations. Abraham, when you're walking, when you're walking through the dust and the sand and you're traveling from this place to that, I just want you to look down at the sand. Yeah, what about it? Well, you see all this sand? Yeah, there's a lot of sand. How much sand do you think there is? Oh, there's an awful lot of sand. I go over the next hill and there's more sand. You know, travel 100 miles and there's more sand. There's a lot of sand. God said, so shall your seed be. Whoa. That's, that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's a big family. As the sand that you're walking upon. Another time Abraham was doubting, considering, wondering, looking at his natural ability, Sarah's natural inability. It's uh, like, this is not going to happen. I don't see how this can happen. I know he, you said we would, but I don't see how it can. God said, Abraham, come out of your tent. It's the middle of the night. Get out of your tent. I don't... <laughs> I have to put my clothes on. I got to go outside. Get out of your tent. So he came outside of his tent, and God said, "Look at the stars." Yeah, there's a lot of stars. Now they didn't have light pollution where Abraham was, so he saw a lot of stars. You could probably see and walk by the stars. God said, "See all those stars? As the stars of the heavens." So shall your seed be. Now, some people make connection. Pastor Bob was the first person I ever heard make this connection. The sand has to do with natural descendants. The stars have to do with spiritual descendants. So, natural descendants of Abraham, yeah, like the sand of the sea. The spiritual descendants, like the stars of the heavens. Billions. Isn't that incredible? And God said, just look at that. So, if Abraham's walking in the day, what's he seeing? Sand. If he's outdoors at night, what does he see? Stars. Wow. All of it. Just to confirm and establish, encourage his faith. Okay, so I'm going to have to quit here. So against this promise, he would not make a decision through unbelief. And that's where we'll take up in our next session. Father God, we thank you for the life that you've given us through your promise. You make incredible promises. Thousands of promises fill this word that you've given to us. And, and, and you show up in our life, you speak into our life, even specific things that you want to promise to us. Father God, we don't have to make it happen. We let our faith rest upon your promise. All we do is believe. That's all we've got. Father, we trust you to bring healing for our bodies, strength for the day, wisdom, direction provision for our home for our families 
provision to do all that you've called us to do? With all these promises that you make to us, you will fulfill. And we thank you, Father. It's by the grace that you give us in your promise. And we believe to receive. And we thank you for these things, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.